The following program is sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 WCCO or Intercom Communications. Advisory services offered through Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Certain but not all investment advisor representatives at Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are also registered representatives of and offer securities through LPL Financial Member FINRA, SIPC. Wealth Enhancement Group and Wealth Enhancement Advisory Services are separate entities from LPL. Wealth Enhancement Group is a registered trademark of Wealth Enhancement Group, LLC. LLC. Sound strategies to make sense of your financial life. Answers to everyday questions pertaining to your money. Brought to you by Wealth Enhancement Group. Helping you to plan and invest with confidence and clarity. After all, it's your money. Good Sunday. Rashini Rajkumar here. You are listening to Your Money on WCCO Radio with hosts Bruce and Peg. The IRS has moved the tax filing deadline to May 17th. Bruce and Peg have some advice on how to use that extra month to your advantage. You can text and call us today on our studio line, 651-989-9226. And all week, you can ask your questions of Peg and Bruce at 888-6ADVICE or email them, yourmoney at wealthenhancement.com. Here's Senior Vice President, Financial Advisor Peg Webb, and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group, financial advisor, Bruce Helmer. Good morning, Bruce and Peg. Good morning. Hi, Rashini. Hi, Peg. Hey, Rashini, like you said, um, and, and Peg and I thought we would elaborate on this today, the tax deadline has been uh, exp- uh, uh, expanded a month. And now We now have until May 17th. But two things, Peg uh, and Rashini, I'm, I'm, Peg, are you still getting – a lot of questions about it or, or a lot of confusion about it. That's number one. And number two, it just feels to me like it's human nature to procrastinate. And even though we're, people are getting another month, I fear they're going to, you know, take their time, procrastinate, not get to it, and then be freaking out in the last few days leading into May 17th. So part of our message today is let's use this extra time and don't wait till the 11th hour to try to get everything done. Yeah, I, I think I, I'm, I am getting a lot of questions on it uh, daily. I should say my team is getting a lot of questions on it because they answer the phone. And, and they did say, however, though, that questions regarding how to fill out their forms have been less, but more questions about this extension. The second thing I want to bring up, Bruce, that you kind of mentioned, uh, being a procrastinator. So I thought this morning when I was looking at the outline, what's the opposite of that? You know, we need to encourage people to be the opposite of procrastinating. Well, it's just being proactive. And I feel like we, I don't know if we're born with this trait, Bruce. Like, are we born to be a proactive person or are we born to be a procrastinator? My conclusion is, though, when I think about myself, is if I don't want to do something, I'm just going to procrastinate because it's not in my wheelhouse. I I um, don't feel confident in taking steps by myself, so I put it off and put it off. But then there's all sorts of things I'm proactive on because I have so much confidence. So that's a little bit about people in general. And so I don't want them to beat themselves up if they haven't done a thing. We're going to talk today about things that you could get done, um, things that you probably want to know to gain your confidence and to get it done. Yeah. And I think the way you described yourself is probably how most people are. As you were saying that, 
I was thinking I'm a lot the same way, and I've tried to coach myself not to be that. Uh, I don't remember where I heard this expression the first time, but I, I, I've never forgotten it. If you have to eat a lot of frogs, eat the biggest frog first. I don't know what that makes no sense, but <laughs> it, it needs to tackle the thing um, that you least want to do and get that out of the way, and then it's smooth sailing from there. But that's easier said than done. So I think the description that you have for yourself is probably true for a lot of people. So one of the things you can do, and I know this is actually the week of April 15th, but you could pretend that you didn't get an extension and try to still get everything done by, what is it, Thursday of this week. Yeah, and and depending on how much time you have, I I would say, you know, uh, take it. I would say take advantage of the extension to the extent that you think you have to, because I don't necessarily want people to cram in and get these things done like this week and drop everything if they don't feel that they're prepared. They also hopefully have gathered some of their documents. And what I do, Bruce, is when the year started 2021, I already created a 2021 folder because there's things that have come up already this year that I went, oh, that's going to pertain to 2021. And I put a piece of paper in there. And, you know, so I'm not trying to gather an entire year's history when I sit down and do my taxes. The other thing is, is we should remind people that, yeah, we have this month, but estimated quarterly tax payments are due. So what that has done is it's actually still motivated people to get the numbers to their CPA or their accountant. Because if you're going to make sure that you have enough in on on April 17th, you kind of have to figure out what your amount is due and or what your income was so that the IRS says that you have to have a similar amount into them in 2021 or you will get a penalty. Right. So let's let's do that. I, I like where you went. Let's dig in a little bit to some of the logistics that are probably applicable to a lot of our listeners. Um, you, you mentioned quarterly estimates right out of the gate. Um, talk a little bit about that, Peg, about who pays estimates and who doesn't. I, I think there's still a lot of confusion around that. I think when we talk about paying quarterly estimates, there's a certain percentage of our audience that goes, what? Am I supposed to be making payments? I didn't know that. So who who does that apply to and who does that not apply to? Yeah, I like that, Bruce. Uh, so there's two um, columns, if you will. There's uh, people who pay estimates on a quarterly basis, and then there's many of us who do automatic withholding. And both of those count in the IRS's eyes as making payments you know, quarterly or um, on time. And what the IRS is asking us to do is not wait until December 31st um, to get all of our money in. And technically we have a little bit of January too to get that money in. But by the, they want to, they want to have the money in their hands, you know, before you file in a return uh, in the springtime in April. And so, I personally, because I work, many of you out there listening, if you work, a lot of the withholding, if not all of it, is done through your payroll. And the corporation that you work for is sending those 
that, that money into the IRS on a current basis. Then a lot of our clients that are retired, uh, they can choose to do withholding or if they want to uh, send in quarterly payments. Now, many of the clients we work with have dividends and, and um, maybe capital gains, and they also have distributions from their IRAs. We take care of their withholding and coordinate with CPAs, or we do it um, ourselves, in figuring out how much to send to the IRS so that you don't get a penalty. One of the things that our clients love is the fact that they don't see that penalty, and they write it in big cap letters on your IRS form when you file, when you uh, when your return is done, what that penalty is. So uh, but lastly, Bruce, just sending in estimated payments is a pain for a lot of people. They they're not they don't know what number to send in. Maybe maybe your accountant gave you the stubs that you send in quarterly, but still it seems like it's a royal pain uh, for people. Okay, I think that adds clarity for a lot of folks. What are some of the other logistical things that uh, we want to remind listeners here? Well, getting ready to file. So I know there's a huge percentage of people, including myself, who have not filed, have no intention of filing, you know, until the deadline or may file an extension. So as if you're one of those people, you know, um, this might be a reminder today to start assembling your document, your documentation, like all the forms that you need. Um, have your W-2 ready. Don't forget 1099. We already got a call from a client. Um, well, a lot of the CPAs we have trained to get us a copy of the return when it's prepared. And then we take a peruse at it, look at it. And we know we did a 50,000 Roth conversion for a client last year. It wasn't on the return at all. So we're like, oh, oh, wait a minute. The strategies that we recommended didn't flow to the return. It turns out, Bruce, because we're not getting all these 1099s in the mail anymore. A lot of us are doing online. You know, we have to go to the custodian website and print these forms. Well, this particular client didn't include that, so it wasn't the CPA's fault, but we were able to catch it right away, and then um, they were able to just redo the return ASAP. So don't forget 1099s. Um, look at your Social Security income. Social Security is taxable. Some people who just started on Social Security think, oh, I don't need to put that on the pile because that's not taxable. It actually is. And then there's Right now, Bruce, there's a lot of confusion because of these stimulus checks. Yes. The CPAs and the accountants and the wealth enhancement group people of the world are saying, what did you get? What deposits went into your bank? Because it, basically it was all automatic. Some people got checks. But then people are saying, well, why do you care what I got? Right? They're looking at their tax person <laughs> or, or why do you care? Well, we care because there's been three of them now given, and we want to know if you got 100% for what you were eligible for. So on the 2020 return, we, um, we plug in how much you, you got, and then based on your 2020 return is whether you actually uh, deserve to get more um, if you got it all, that's great. But if you deserve to get more, you'll, you'll get a credit on your 2020 return. That's why it's a big deal. Um, 
and, and in addition to the stimulus checks, many people got unemployment for the first time in their lives. People that, that couldn't work because of COVID and have never uh, filed for unemployment insurance before did now. And I think there's some confusion about how that is treated from a tax standpoint as well. Well, there should be confusion because they actually uh, come out with new provisions uh, and recent provisions that uh, a percentage of that unemployment is tax-free. And I don't know all the details on the top of my head, but there's it's like 10200 that was free. We worked with some clients recently. Um, there's lots of questions around that. So uh, cl- clients of ours that have been laid off are contacting us to say, can you walk me through this? I just need to understand it. Or they're asking their CPA. But just remember to take all that um, to alert the CPA of your income through unemployment. And then the, the other thing that comes to mind for me, Peg, is everything we're talking about so far is based on a, the federal level, the federal rules, but we recognize the fact that this show is heard in a lot of different states, and things are going to change from, from state to state. You, we, uh, this show originates in Minnesota, so sometimes we'll talk about Minnesota state tax law, but you also have to know what's going on in your individual state. Uh, correct. There, it's amazing because even the neighborhooding neighborhood states that we that surround Minnesota are completely different than Minnesota. Um, so I'm trying to think what else we need to cover. Uh, I know because uh, Rashini says we have texts coming in. Let's talk a little bit about filing an extension. So this this extra month we get, most people don't have to do anything. They just have an extra month, but they don't have to specifically file an extension because they're not going to file by April 15th. They they get the extra month. But a lot of people, um, myself included, and I think probably you, still aren't going to file by May 17th either. So talk about the process of filing an extension. And the key thing that I know um, is that even if you file an extension, you're still supposed to pay your estimated taxes by May 17th, but you just might, might not file a final return by May 17th. Yeah, and, and the, a reason for filing an, filing an extension is that you don't have all the documents uh, to, to actually create your return uh, to be accurate by May 17th. So some of the documents might be pending. One of them that typically we see is an ownership in a business or, um, you know, a partnership where you're in and you need something called a K-1 that gives you the details about what to put on your return. And many, many times uh, for accountants that uh, do the work for those businesses don't have all the numbers to be able to provide a clear number. So you act, So for you and I, Bruce, we do. We have to come up with an estimate and it's nice because a lot of times these businesses will tell you, hey, we made a lot of money this year or we lost a lot of money this year, and you can give some kind of a guide to your CPA. So you're right, Bruce, by May 17th, we have to have an idea of what our tax owed, if we owe any, by that date. And then we can send in that estimate. Well, then when our, our extension comes up in October when we file, We've either paid more or less than we owe. Hopefully we paid 
more because then you get a little bit of a refund versus a penalty <laughs> versus a penalty right. again. So you try to you try to get as close as you can. The other thing I wanted to uh, mention before we take um, callers or text is there's still time uh, to contribute to IRAs and health savings accounts. So you ask Bruce if we're getting a lot of calls. The calls we're getting is can I still put in my contribution for my uh, IRA and can I put in a contribution for my health savings accounts? Because both of those could be a deduction off your 2020 return. And uh, so the answer is yes. You can actually still contribute those up till May 17th. If you're unclear if that actually helps you, you know, on your tax return, make sure you bring it up to your CPA. What we're finding is the CPAs and the accountants are so busy, the window that they can prepare all these returns is so small that they're not asking you all the questions about, hey, can, or do you, you know, if you can contribute to a deductible IRA, do you want to do it? Um, a lot of times they're putting that on the person, the, the person who's filing or themselves, they're putting it on the individual and they don't know. So make sure you look that or, or look that up or get help in whether that's something you should do. The one thing I want to make sure we hit before we get listeners involved, and I want to pay tribute to you, Peg, because you do this better than any advisor I've ever known. But we talked at the outset about procrastination versus proactivity, and we coach clients all the time, don't wait until the following spring to make your contribution to your IRA or your HSA or your Roth IRA. Don't wait till the following year. Be out ahead of the game. If, you, if you're going to make that contribution, make it sooner rather than later. And other things that we can do to be proactive. You're very good at doing, I think you call it a mock return for 2021, and you've already done that for a lot of your clients, right? Yes, because um, the value that we can add as comprehensive planners, and number one, I love taxes because I love puzzles, and it's the ultimate puzzle. And um, what's difficult about taxes is, and different than doing a puzzle, is you can kind of lay out all the pieces and they're visible, but yet with taxes, they're not. Once you enter a number, it disappears and you don't really know how it's all affecting inside that return, but I see that as being really fun. And and so when you're doing your taxes, you you do a lot of times need help because the strategies that we recommend um, may not be real clear to the client that we're recommending it to. And then you have to make sure that it flows correctly on the backside, that actually that, that it did help you. And, it, and if you didn't enter it correctly, that it that it actually hurt you. So... Um, if you don't know, I mean, we, we encourage our clients a lot to get a preparer because they go, oh, it's easy. I got one of these, you know, softwares and I can just plug in all the numbers and I'm good to go. Well, we revert, we review those good to go at, um, tax returns <laughs> because <laughs> a lot of times they, 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 you know, they're asking a question, but if you don't really understand what the question is, you might actually put the wrong number in the, you know, the box. So, um, so that's just my commentary there. I think um, a lot of people do need help when it comes to preparing their taxes. All right. Rasheed, can we squeeze in a question yet this half? Absolutely. You've got some good text coming in, Peg and Bruce. Uh, this person says, 
In your opinion, do you think CD interest rates will increase in the next one to two years? Um, a, a question, Peg, on interest rates, uh, this, uh, this uh, texture specifically, certificates of deposit, but just uh, what, what's your opinion on interest rates in general? Well, my opinion is, is I'm kind of just following what the Fed is saying. And the Fed is saying we're going to keep rates low until the economy is back to the way it used to be. So they control what's called the Fed funds rate. And um, they want the economy on solid footing before they start to raise the rates. The, the negative is the Fed can really only control the shortest rates, you know, the shortest rates. So when you talk about like the 10-year treasury, that um, the value of that or the interest rate on the 10-year treasury goes up and down based on volume of purchases of the treasury. And what's been happening is the Fed is actually going in and buying their own bonds right now and kind of manipulating and keeping interest rates low. So the question is, will they go up in the next one or two years? I actually think they will. I, I do. Yeah, there's an old joke in our in our industry uh, that we say we know exactly what interest rates are going to do. They're going to go up or they're going to go down or they're going to stay the same. We just don't know when. But I agree with you, Peg. I think they're likely to go up. I certainly wouldn't do anything long-term right now, long-term CD or long-term bond. I would stay short-term so you can turn over in case rates do rise. And I think in the next year or two, that is likely to happen. Okay, Rashidi, we're probably about due for a break, I'm guessing. We are. We're hitting up against the break, but we do have some interesting texts coming in. Reminder, you can call and text us. We also have some callers holding on the line. We'll get you after the break. The phone number for both, 651-989-9226. You can call us. You can text us. Bruce and Peg will have answers for you. And we are talking about a very good topic today. Lots of confusion still out there. The IRS has moved the tax filing deadline to May 17th. Peg and Bruce will have advice on how to take advantage of the extra time. It is your money. We're back. I'm Rashini Rajkumar along with your hosts, Bruce and Peg. And today they are trying to unwind this new extension. The IRS has moved the tax filing deadline to May 17th. How can you take advantage of that extra time? And how do you also make sure you don't get into any trouble uh, by misunderstanding that extension? All right. So this person, Peg and Bruce, is asking, I returned my 2020. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Wrong question. What if 2020 taxes were filed already and now 10200 in unemployment, not taxable? I had to pay additional tax. What should I do now? Amend return or pay tax? Do and will the IRS catch it and give me a refund? Hey, Rashini, thanks uh, for the great introduction and the great uh, text question. Thanks to all the texters. So, Peg, they already filed, and then uh, things happen. How do they? How do they ad- take care of the uh, of the change going forward? <clears throat> um, I'm actually not sure. I know there was something uh, that came out that said that maybe it would be automatic. The one clarification I wanted to give as well is that there is some income limits on being eligible for that $10,200 tax-free. And by the way, if if both you, if you're doing a joint return, if both of you uh, were unemployed, you each get this $10,200. Um, so, Bruce, I don't know. I, I would have to look that up. 
Um, I know there was some mention of it recently that maybe it would be automatic because they didn't necessarily want every the IRS to get all these uh, redos because they just don't even have time to do the, the, the ones that are coming in versus having millions of people redo it. Yeah, I, I think the same as you, Peg. Again, I don't know. Uh, like you, I don't know all the detail. I know I read something because the person that texted is not alone here. This is going to happen to a lot of people. And because of that, I can't imagine. Normally, I would say something like this that happens that you get uh, notified of income late after you filed your return. I would say it's not that big of a deal to file an amended return. But if there's going to be hundreds of thousands or millions of amended returns, that's going to be an administrative you know, mess. So I think I, I, th- I agree with you. I saw something, read something. I think the, the correction will take place automatically in a circumstance like that. But again, the devil's in the details and I don't, I don't know all the details either. Uh, maybe I did we can, just, uh, I did, oh. I did just Google it and we were right in our prim- in our thinking. You do not have to file again. The IRS just said they're going to take care of it. They're going to review it. So no need to refile. Okay, good. All right, Peg and Bruce, lots of calls coming in as well as texts that are waiting for your expertise. Again, the number, 651-989-9226. Bill is on the line from Minnetonka. Good morning, Bill. Uh, Good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I'm retired. My income is pretty darn predictable every year, and so I do my own taxes. Um, and I'm comfortable with that, but I conveniently this year forgot that I, although I have more time to do my tax report, I have to send my, um, estimated tax in this week, the first uh, amount of it. And the federal government sends me tax forms, voucher forms ahead of time for me to do that. And I know about the amount I'm going to have to send, um, but the, the state does not send those. How can I get those forms between now and next Friday? Hey, Bill, thanks for listening. Thanks for the question. Let me see if I can rearticulate your question to make sure we understand it. So, Peg, Bill is retired. He does his own taxes, probably, you know, Quicken or QuickBooker or, or, or whatever the – no, that's not it. There's a, uh, there's a, there's a tax uh, uh, software. And, and again, if you're, if we talked about getting a tax preparer, I, I think we, we still think most people should, but Bill, you and, and other people that have a really simple, uh, straightforward return, there's nothing wrong necessarily with doing your own taxes. And Peg, Bill makes his quarterly estimates to the federal government, but the Fed sends him a, a voucher or, or a reminder about that quarterly estimate. The state of Minnesota does not. Um, can he get? Can he ask for that? Does he just guess his payment to the state? How how would you handle that? Well, I, I would, if it were me, I would just you know go online. Minnesota has a great uh, tax website, and if you just put in search there, if you're looking for a particular form or you actually want them to uh, give you the numbers, in in my experience, it's actually a percentage of what you owed last year. And so, um, but if you want the precise number, then I would go on that website and then ask for, request the form. 
and TurboTax is what I was trying to think of, and there's other software packages like that. What do you think about, you know, do you think some people can do their own tax return if they have a fairly simple, straightforward situation, or do you think everybody should get professional help? No, I think, you know, um, there's a lot of clients that have dividend income, Social Security, and a required minimum distribution. That's all they have. And it, it and if it's a, just a repeat process every year, then yeah, that that's perfectly fine. Uh, because the Wealth Enhancement Group actively manages um, our clients' accounts, um, last year in particular, when the market was down in March, we did a lot of trading doing what we call tax loss harvesting. And what we did is we sold some securities that were down in March, uh, 30% or so. And then we went and purchased some identical securities, but we were able to book that tax loss. Um, that strategy worked out really well because now when we're preparing those returns or the clients are, they're seeing that they're able to take a write-off uh, on their 2020 return and in some cases help them qualify for the stimulus check. So there can be years that are more complex. And I would just say, if you see a year that's more complex than the norm, you can always reach out to get someone to help for a particular year. You don't have to hire someone and think, okay, now I don't get to do it myself anymore. I just want to quickly mention, I meant to do this in the first half of the show. You mentioned RMD, required minimum distribution. And I'm still getting a lot of questions because 2019, or excuse me, 2020, people got a reprieve and did not have to take an RMD, and people are asking me about 2021, not that, not that we're filing yet, but in 2021, you have to take your RMD again. That was a one-year thing. It's not been extended to 2021, so those of you that are 72 and older that have IRAs and so forth that are used to taking RMDs but didn't last year, you do have to do that again this year. And then let me just quickly insert one other thing. Uh, there were people out there that took the RMD before the IRS announced that you did not have to. So many people actually were able to put them back. And what's happening is, is the custodian where the IRA was held still sent a 1099 out oh, as if you took yeah. the money out. And there wasn't a second 1099 that would have said, hey, I put the money back. So it's up to the um, the tax person or the, the person who wants their taxes done to tell the CPA or the accountant that they did that. Because what we're finding in the review of the 2020 returns is they're not correct. Because the clients will put everything on a pile and hand it to the CPA. And then unfortunately, what my clients are telling me too is, Usually they go sit with the tax preparer, but because of COVID, they didn't, they weren't, a, they, it just didn't work out that they could sit with them to say, well, this is this, that's that, tell the story, you know. And so that's just a heads up for anyone who hasn't done it yet. Uh, you know, that, that's a gotcha. That's great. Megan, Bruce, on this topic, there is an RMD tax. So just to really clarify it, I want to read it to you before we go back to the phone lines. This listener says, I returned my 2020 RMD to my 401k, which the CARES Act allowed this year. However, the returned amount not shown on the 1099 from the fund trustee. Do I have to present proof of this returned RMD or can I still file electronically? Yeah, so you were just talking about, Peg. 
Yeah, you don't, there is no way to give proof when you're doing the return electronically. You just don't show it as income. And, um, <clears throat> and then if, if anything, they may come back to you and say, hey, we had this 1099. It's not any, it's not different than doing an uh, IRA rollover. You know, so a lot of clients will say, okay, I want to take this um, IRA and I want to roll it to this new custodian. And, um, and then you'll get a 1099 from the old custodian, and that's called a rollover. That's been in place in the IRS code forever. And then what we tell our clients is bring the statement to the CPA showing you that you actually just deposited it you know, um, into an IRA right away. We recommend a trustee-to-trustee transfer because then the documentation behind the scenes, like in the computer, is much more clear than doing the rollover. So bottom line is you don't have to do anything extra. Um, Just have that proof in your records in case you ever get um, a, a letter or phone call from the IRS. All right, we have a lot of callers, so I want to remind them, please keep your questions brief so Peg and Bruce can get your answers today. Bob is on the phone from Lakeville. Hi, Bob. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing? Great. Uh, I'll try to make this quick. I'm a displaced Delta employee this past year, and I'm looking at buying a piece of property. I'm presently actively buying this piece of property out in Arizona, and I was just wondering what your opinion was about I have a 401K Roth, and a 401k, but then outside I have a Roth 401k. I was going to, going to take regular distributions and reallocate my present Roth money to help pay for the property, which is quite expensive in Arizona. And I was just wondering what do you guys think about taking some of my a Roth distribution and then just putting it towards a property out in Arizona? Hey, Bob, thanks for uh, listening, and thanks for the question. Um, So, Peg, Bob's wondering about uh, distributions from a Roth to make another investment. Now, in this case, it happens to be property in Arizona, but it could be a lot of different things. And I think, you know, to answer the question, and and unfortunately it's tough to interact now in the world of COVID. We used to have more interaction when we were all sitting together in the studio, but I'm assuming – I'm just assuming that Bob is either beyond the age of 59 and a half and or has more than five years in his Roth so that these withdrawals he's referring to are are tax-free withdrawals. Because if they weren't, we'd stop right there and say, no, that's not a good good idea. But assuming it's tax-free, and that's what I'm assuming, uh, what do you think of that plan? Yeah, I, it's kind of interesting because, Bruce, do you remember the Roth now? We're dating ourselves, but they've been around a long time now. And when they first came out and we were able to put in after-tax money into a Roth and grow the money tax-free, I had this mindset of, oh, my gosh, you would never touch that. That's, like, so good. But now when I'm doing this income planning with clients and we've worked hard to get a balance of taxable tax-deferred, and tax-free, we are utilizing those Roths for all sorts of creative reasons. And when I was listening um, to this call and saying, oh, I bought this property, and and, and it kind of sounds like it might not necessarily be an investment. It might be a lifestyle that that, um, he wants. So I would be open to using 
a portion of that Roth, uh, especially when you look at the client's tax return. And if it helps stay under a particular higher tax bracket, uh, then I'm all for it. I don't necessarily like just cashing in Roth to go purchase something, but as explained today, taking a monthly distribution may not be a bad idea. I agree. All right, Liz is on the line from Bloomington. Hello, Liz. Hello. Hello. Go right ahead. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I was, you were talking earlier in the program about the EIP, um, and you mentioned that there was three that we got. And well, I got the first one in May of 2020 for 1200 and the second one in January of this year for 600 What was the third one for? I, I think uh, that was Liz, Peg. Uh, uh, so uh, Liz got two, but not the third one. Not the $1,400, apparently. Yeah. So the first round actually came out, you know, very early on in March, and that was under the CARES Act. Then there was a second one, December of 2020, called the Consolidated Appropriations Act. Then there was one in March called the American Rescue Plan. So I have, I've gotten a lot of calls from clients too because um, there, it, it, it's not, it wasn't flawless, right? With the checks that have gone out and and from the IRS and just imagine the volume of people. So I would encourage everyone to be familiar with all those three stimulus check timeframes and and if you think you qualified to check your checkbook. Uh, because they went off a lot of resources. They went off of 2018's tax return for one of them. They went off of 2019's tax return for one of them, but they're all 2020 credits. Hence why I said at the beginning of the show, all CPAs and accountants are asking the clients if they receive them. So all of the listeners today should, should do a, you know, double check, triple check to see if they were eligible and if they got them. All right, Angela is on the line from Northeast Minneapolis. Good morning, Angela. Good morning. I have a 57-year-old friend who doesn't have a Roth IRA, and um, retirement is out on the horizon a little bit further. Uh, Is it impactful that this person start a Roth IRA to get that five-year clock ticking? Hey, Angela. Thanks for uh, listening. Thanks for a great question. So, Peg, talk a little bit about because uh, I'm the one that mentioned it and didn't explain it. Now, Angela's calls on the same thing. Talk a little bit about how you get tax-free treatment of your Roth, specifically five years. Yeah, so you do actually, you actually do need to start one. Um, and not a lot of people know this, that your um, initial contribution actually is kind of your starting clock. Now, what's interesting about this is this is just on contributory um, Roth. So that would mean not through your work plan. Uh, this is just if you qualify based on your adjusted gross income, if you could start one. So once your five-year clock um, is satisfied, any subsequent Roth IRAs is considered to be held for five years, even if you put it in four years after that original year. So that's actually a super good deal. Yeah, All right, I, Sarah, uh, and, go ahead. Uh, uh, you know, Angela, I would just say really quickly, too, that um, never too late, 
Roth in particular, this is true of all investments, but Roth in particular, the longer you have it in there, the more impactful it's going to be, the more that tax-free accumulation really will benefit you. But it's never too late. 57 is better than, than, than 58 and better than not doing it. And, uh, and we always look at, like Peg said, new contributions, but also conversions. But it's important uh, as soon as possible to start to build that Roth up. But that's one of the things that makes them so attractive is that that five-year window to get tax-free treatment on your withdrawals doesn't restart again every time you add to it. It, it starts from your first contribution, and you fulfill that obligation five years later. That's really cool. All right, Sarah from South Minneapolis, I'll ask you to be very brief. We're running up against the clock. Thanks for calling. Okay, I'm retired. I had a part-time job. I made $5,900 last year in wages. The company does offer retirement program, and I did have a small Roth. My question is, if my pension and annuity and Social Security income is over 75000 but I only had $5,900 in wages, can I roll? Can I open a traditional IRA to take that as tax-free income? Hey, Sarah. Thank you. Great question, Peg. I love it. You can you can actually do a deductible IRA if you are under. And I don't know if you're a single person, but if you're under, um, let's just see here. A single person, traditional IRA, um, oh yeah, so under 66,000 to 76,000. So you're, 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 you can also do a partial. So if you take all of that money, put it in a deductible IRA and you still have 75,000, you may get a little partial of a deduction on an IRA. All right, Peg and Bruce, we don't have a lot of time, but let's try to get in some of these uh, texts. Does one lose taxes if not deducted from your employer trying to contribute to an HSA in 2021 for 2020? Uh, we, we can probably end on this one. Peg, talk talk about why we like HSA. Tell, tell everyone what it is and why we like them so much, health savings accounts. Well, the health savings accounts are kind of what we call a super Roth. You get a deduction up front, and it earns tax-free. So it's got both of those things. And um, I would say that anytime you're eligible to do one, that you should contribute to it. Yeah, and I'll just add quickly, Rasheen, because I know we're up against the clock here a little bit. But you, first of all, the HSA, you have to have a high-deductible plan and a high deductible plan is not appropriate for everybody. But if it is appropriate for you and you have one, we strongly encourage the HSAs. And the beauty is that Peg did mention, yes, you get a deduction for the contribution. Yes, you get tax-free withdrawals if it's used for qualifying medical expenses. But if you pay for things over the years on your own and you never use it, if you keep track of that and you can verify your expenses, you can even get reimbursed years later for the things you paid for out of pocket. It's a really cool plan that people should be using if they're eligible and they're not using it. Right, and a listener reminds people the IRS doesn't call you, only snail mail. So look out for fraud on that. You can call Peg and Bruce during the week, 888-6-ADVICE. Meantime, make it a great week. We'll catch you next week. The previous program was sponsored by Wealth Enhancement Group. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Wealth Enhancement Group or its guests and do not reflect the opinions of News Talk 830 WCCO or Intercom Communications.